Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is episode 85 with Kareem Webb and Edward Barnett. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Welcome, everybody. Today I have with me Kareem Webb and Edward Barnett. Uh, Kareem is a 25-year veteran of the restaurant industry and his current position is co-owner and operations partner of PCW Restaurant Management, a Los Angeles-based franchisee of Buffalo Wild Wings. He uses his expertise to oversee the development and operations for each restaurant. Kareem was exposed to the restaurant business at an early age as a teen working at one of his parents' 14 McDonald's restaurants. He was trained on all aspects of restaurants operations. Now, Edward Barnett is a 14-year veteran of the financial services industry and in this current position as Vice President Private Client Group of Newbury Capital Management, which is also Los Angeles-based. He uses his expertise to develop and implement money management strategies um, for professional athletes and corporate executives and nonprofit organizations. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So, both of you, obviously, you're, you're based in... Uh, in LA, so can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and why you guys are passionate about community development? Well, sure. You know, both of us um, grew up in Southern California. Uh, both of our both sets of both of our parents are born and bred in South LA, and went to uh, South LA high school. So we've got uh, close ties to the community. Uh, and opening a business in the Crenshaw Corridor, which is kind of the hub of South LA for sure. Uh, you know, gave us some exposure and opportunity to make a difference there. And uh, having a business there, our guest base as well as our um, employee guests, our employees, um, uh, you know, are, are you know from primarily the South LA area. And you just get exposed to um, the needs and the fact that our skill set as well as our business and um, 
uh, you know, have the opportunity to make a difference. And so we've used the opportunity of having a business, uh, our skills to engage in ways that um, um, where we can bring value uh, both to our business and to uh, entities around the city that are engaged with uh, South LA folks. Okay. Okay. And what about community development? Is really why is that so important to you guys? In particular, uh, well, it's, important, it's important to me because um, if it's not us, then who? Uh, right. there, there's there a, a bit. You you have to look at it. Uh, we we do business in the communities. Uh, what we call, I guess, quote unquote, inner city communities. So that is our customer base, and you also want to not just have a situation which happens uh, frequently where. Businesses come in, take, 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 and they don't give, give, give back to the community. So we have a different approach. We, we want to uh, not only do good business in the community, we want to do well for ourselves also, and they're not mutually exclusive. So you, you have people in, in, in the communities that uh, we serve that have higher unemployment and various other issues. So we want to look at it and say, okay, how do we be a part of the solution, not the problem to that? And the major problem you have is lack of opportunities and lack of jobs. And uh, we want to be able to not just, you know, set somebody up for failure, but set them up for success. And how you do that is you have to properly uh, train them for jobs. And then once you get them into those jobs, make sure that you continue to hold high standards. And what we're doing is not just necessarily teaching them restaurant industry jobs. We're teaching them skill sets that are transferable in any industry. So hopefully they'll be able to take these and then move on to bigger, better things and share that information with other people. So what you're doing is making them um, gainfully employed and productive citizens in the community, and in turn, hopefully that uh, makes the community a better place. So basically, you know, you, you raise awareness, give them the opportunity, give them other alternatives to do something positive for the society, and then um, by that way you're paying for it and you're also – um, you know, advancing yourself, but also advancing the youth who are the future leaders of the community. Correct. Also, doing something positive for themselves. Right. Um, teaching them skill sets that that'll help them with, with in life. Period. Yeah. Okay. Now, how did the, how did you two meet? It seems like you guys have both different backgrounds. I know, um, Kareem, you've been in the restaurant industry since you could probably owe diapers, but uh, um, you know, your finance, Edward, and you, you know, both of you seem yes. Like, We've known each other since we were about seven or eight years old, mm. um, playing and uh, living in the areas, playing in youth uh, leagues together, and always uh, maintained a relationship. And then what happened was uh, after we got out of school, we were always trying to figure out what is a way. Uh, we both had entrepreneurial spirits, and what is a way that we can do business together. So probably about ten years ago, Cream had an idea with regards to a brand at that time, which was Buffalo Wild Wings, that was around for 20-plus years, but it really was really centered in the Midwest. Okay. And uh, so we're, they were coming to the West Coast, and he, he thought it would be a great idea to be on the ground floor as a franchisee getting these units because there were you know restaurants that uh, maybe had a few TVs, but they really weren't conducive to sports viewing. And there was bars that had pool tables, and they really weren't conducive to families. They were just in adults. So Buffalo Wild Wings was kind of a hybrid of that where you could have uh, families come in, but also in the same token, you could have uh, your guys and, and buddies where you necessarily want, didn't want to be around kids in the same place, and one didn't impede the other. And so 
um, he, he found the concept and the idea, and then we just sat down and figured out a way to uh, take our uh, differing skill sets, bring them together, and uh, partner up on that. And that's how we uh, started PCF Restaurant Management, and then from there, we became Buffalo Wild Wings franchisees, uh, opened up our first unit in Torrance in the September of 2009, and then second one in Baldwin Hills in February of 2011, and the last one in 2014 in Carson. So that's kind of the, uh, our, our story. All right. You know, I just saw, um, the NWA movie, the uh, straight out of Compton. And, um, you know, I, I, and it reminded me, I wasn't really, you know, familiar with, with that period cause I was in Nigeria at the time, but what some of the, the imagery that was shown there was a, a lot of the inner city kids and how sometimes they, they were looking for opportunities, and it seems like what you guys are doing and providing those type of opportunities. Do you feel like inner-city kids, when you were younger, still face the same problems as they do right now? Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you know, um, you know, we can point to incidents that have just happened in the, in, the, in the last week. We've had, you know, one of our up-and-coming managers who was at a meeting with us just Saturday who was going home, um, um, you know, with his girlfriend and was parked and was a victim of a random shooting. So, you know, you still have hopelessness and uh, about half of uh, African-American boys in, in, in South L.A. graduate high school. The other half don't. Ninety percent of them go to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, there, there's just a tremendous amount of opportunity. There's a tre- tremendous uh, amount of lack in terms of uh, love, you know, that young people receive and exposure, um, education, consistency in terms of mentoring. Um, and so, you know, there's hopelessness and wherever you have hopelessness and whenever you have uh, young people who don't, um, who aren't experiencing, you know, having good experiences with adults who are consistently guiding them in the right way, you're going to uh, have young people who don't value themselves. And if they don't value themselves, they can't value you or anybody else. Right. And, and that leads to destructive behavior. So that hasn't changed um, uh, much, if any, since, you know, the 80s when, um, you know, the, the events uh, that were taking place, that were depicted and straight out of content. Yeah, no, I feel like it's almost like they predicted the future. I know before, but when, you know, when they came out with, you know, after police and all that, there was, you know, a few years after that was riding King rides. And then, you know, fast forward today, you have a lot of um, inner city kids who feel, like you said, hopeless, fed up, feel like they're not being heard. And feel like the only alternative is to go through um, such and such. But w- one question I have is, you know, what you're doing, you're saying by providing positive role models for these kids to see that there's there are other ways to, you know, to grow up and their, their potential for success is a potential path for success. Do you think that parents also can play a role in that because sometimes the parents might not I don't know if the parents are the positive role models how do you combat that where you have a community of where they can go and see other positive role models but then they have to go back home and they have to provide for their brother sister family and you know it's like this endless cycle where they're they want to advance but they feel like they're being held back in some way yeah I think the problem is that the lack of parenting so, I mean, you've got, you know, single-parent uh, households pre- uh, uh, predominantly, and, and then also a tremendous number of young people in foster care where there are no parents. Yes. So, you know, yes. black men are missing, 
um, and in, in second generation Hispanic households where men are missing is they're dead or in prison or just absent. And then you've got, you know, um, rapid drug use, all kind of other trauma that mm. happens in poor communities around the country, white, black, or otherwise. It just seemed to be a lot of them, obviously, where there's people of color uh, in these urban areas. And uh, there are just outcomes that, that, that are predictive when you talk about, um, uh, you know, poor communities in our country. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, but there are recipes. And what we're doing is, is one of the recipes by having conscientious business owners who can relate to the population, hold them accountable, but also let them know that they're worthy. We've seen the light go off in people's eyes, young people's eyes, and we've seen uh, behaviors change for the good and, 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 and then begin to have hope for themselves uh, and see, you know, have pos- see possibilities for themselves that they otherwise wouldn't have seen, which leads them to have the ability to be consistent in doing positive things so that they can begin to start getting positive results. That is one of the, uh, that as a business person, that's what we can do consistently. And we can advocate for policy that, you know, takes so that we're not spending so much money on, on, on prisons and, you know, the mandatory sentencing and all of that versus, you know, other community in, uh, organizations that we see on the ground that actually work. But it takes a lot of effort. You know, people need consistency in their lives in order to uh, begin to have hope, begin to feel love, begin to, to uh, feel like there's a reason to do the right thing. So we're, we're part of the solution. And um, we need more folks like us, and that's why we're uh, uh, consistently talking about doing the things that we need to do in order to grow so we can provide additional opportunities. But um, uh, you know, I think in general that, that, that hopefully answers your question. No, 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 I love it, and I think it's, I think it's you know, it's, a lot of times these problems are not as black and white as people would like them to, to, you know, to be, but... It's a process, and it has to, like you said, be consistent. And then a lot of times, the youth want to see people in leadership that look like them. You know, they want a representation of. You know, sometimes it it goes over the head, and they see, well, I can't be like that because I can't see myself in that way. So, like what you were saying is, if someone can look up to you and say you relate to their environment, and then they can see a clear path if they stay consistent with doing the hard work. Um, and we're not afraid of them. Yeah, so, that's know, true too. When you, you're culturally competent, yeah. you have the ability to go to somebody and say, say, yeah, okay, well, your past doesn't matter. I get it. But that's not going to, you know, it, that's not going to make me allow you not to be excellent in my business. Right. But right. then let me tell you what that means for you. If you're excellent here, you can be excellent everywhere. And when you're excellent, this is what you get. Exactly. Right. And this is what your life can become. And so a lot, a lot of young people don't, have not experienced that. They don't experience it in school. Um, their, uh, their teachers are not uh, presenting them with that alternative, um, and their families and their you know the, the the surroundings that they're in on a day in and day out basis don't present them with that. So somebody has got to, or they're going to end up with really really bad outcomes that end up costing the taxpayer more. So you know it's a it's it's a benefit to turn these young people around because you know it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to imprison these young people and we the taxpayer pay for that so Absolutely. in addition to the moral hazard you know it, it's an unsustainable model for us as taxpayers <laughs> moving forward 
No, I, I agree. And I, I grew up constantly among cultures. And one of the things that I, you know, because growing up in five countries, four continents, one of the things I, I started to realize that in order to build um, the next set of true global leaders, one has to learn how to communicate across cultures and think outside the box. And that's, you know, being able to, to go into a multicultural environment and be able to not, not, like you said, be afraid of some some sort of uh, cultural um, event because you have the, you lack the competency. Um, you have to be able to understand kind of the background that they, they, they go through, why this is happening, and then talk to them in their language so that they can actually, you know, so that you guys can actually find that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Common ground. And one of those common grounds a lot of times is sports. I know, Edward, you're, you're very into sports. I'm very into sports. But you, do you use sports, sporting events, like even with the bars or events or athletes you talk to, to, to draw um, some of the youth together and bring them up? Uh, very little. Um, and, the, and the reason being is uh, that, that the sports are a way to do it, but it's just not – I don't think it's the best way. And the reason being is, hmm. you, to be frank, what you really don't want uh, the kids looking up to people from the sports industry. And I'm not saying that as a bad, a bad way, but the reality is they have a better chance being a neurosurgeon than it is being a professional athlete. Hmm. And, with, and not to knock their dreams of that, but it's probably like a 1,000th of 1% chance for them to be a professional athlete. But you have a whole lot better chance of uh, getting a solid education, figuring out a, a good job, and then going on to an entrepreneurial venture, it's a lot more. So they they all they already get enough uh, exposure, um, whether it's through television or social media, to athletes and entertainers. We're trying to look at it a little bit different standpoint. We want to get them to everyday business people that uh, had a goal, had a vision, put in the work, and every and, and, and did the work. And here's what you can do it too. Um, Sports is a pipe dream, to be frank with you. And there, there's, using the NBA, for example, there's 450 people to have a job in the NBA. Then you say, how many African-American youth do we have in the United States or even in L.A. County, period? So what are the odds of them making it to the NBA? And if they don't make it, what skills do they have that are equipped to do another job or have a plan B or have a career? So you, you can use it, but that's not the, the lead for that. Because okay. um, you don't want to provide a false sense of uh, reality. So even what about sports as a community development? Not necessarily training them to be pros, but you know, sporting events. You, you can you can use it as a tool to get people engaged, but again, um, you, you, you want to be careful with that. Um, 
Hmm. You you can use it from a, a way to you can use sports. Is a lot of these kids are playing video games or in the house all the time. They're not getting a lot of exercise. They're not eating right, overweight. So you can use sports as a way to get kids out to do healthy things, to exercise, to do that. So when you're looking at kids, um, there's a lot more important things that are going on in sports right now. That we, we have a lot more serious issues. So sports is kind of the, the least of our concerns, in, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Um, would you lump in uh, pop music and and uh, hip hop and R and B into that as well? A- a- athletics and entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. Athletics all, and entertainment. That, 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 okay, that's all they've been uh, trained to grow up and think. How do I get out of my situation? Be an athlete or entertainment? And I, I think that's a bad way to think about it. Bad money. I mean, it, it, it's not their fault. Um, but we want to change the dynamics. Is don't be the athlete. Be the one who owns a team who cuts the checks to the athlete. Don't be the entertainer. Be the person who runs the record label or runs the studio label who cuts the checks to it. That's where your longevity is. You know, even if you do make it to a professional athlete's average career is five years. So now you're in your mid-20s, late-20s, and you still have 40 to 50-odd years of living left to go. So what is, what is your second career going to be? And so many of our athletes um, don't know that. So. Okay. Again, we're, we're, we're trying to do things a little bit different from that standpoint. Okay. No, it's good. It's admirable. Kareem, as an advisor of the uh, Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance, what, what is your role? What do you, what's your role there, and why, do you, why are you passionate about that? Uh, you know, I'm passionate about our industry making a difference in, in, in for underserved youth. You know, uh, entry-level employers have the ability to make a difference if we're conscientious about the people. So, you know, a lot of times when people think about our industry or think about the food industry, you think about well, the minimum wage employers, they're abusive to employees, they underpay people, they don't serve healthy food. It's a lot of negative. But, you know, you can talk to a lot of people who will tell you their first job is at your pounds. And, and then they'll start telling you what they learned about showing up to work on time, about um, resolving conflict in positive ways, about following procedures about executing, right, about learning how to work. And um, that's something that, that we have the ability to do. We have the ability to change lives because we can interact with um, young people who haven't been taught the right way to interact um, with folks, you know. Uh, and so uh, if we're intentional about that, um, I, I think society in general um, uh, uh uh, we'll be approving and, and grateful for our contribution, but we don't talk about it. We don't uh, uh, promote the fact that we do that, um, and 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 we do we we, we we do a great benefit to society in that way. And so I talk a lot to uh, folks, leaders within our industry about that, and that's my role at the MFHA. No, love it, love it. It, with um, we're almost done here, but with with you, Edward, you, I know your financial literacy is something that's very important to you, and I, I also think it's very important when you're talking to the youth about the importance of being uh, financially literate. Um, how early do you tell them to start? Uh, you can never start too early. I mean, I would start it as uh, early as middle school. One mm-hmm. one of the problems that we have in the United States in our educational system mm-hmm. is there there is, and that's and even in college, there is no basic financial literacy class that you have to take to graduate from high school, which I think is a travesty. 
I mean, you, you, you take math, you take um, chemistry, you take trigonometry, and you take all these kind of pretty complex mathematics, then unless you're going in specific uh, industries, you'll never use. But you don't give people the basic skills to know how to manage the money with guards, regardless of what industry they work in, which uh, it creates a problem. Because especially in the African-American community, uh, we've never had a problem, whether, again, going through athletes, uh, athletics, entertainment, entrepreneurship. We never really had a problem earning money. We always had a problem keeping money. Um, and we also had a problem working out how that money works for us. So the principles are the same in financial literacy. It's just how many zeros are after the, uh, the checks that you get or the numbers that you're dealing with. Yeah. And what I mean yeah. by that is, you know, you, you you want to spend less than you make. You want to put some away, put some aside um, consistently and plan, you know, live for the day, but plan for the future. You want to make sure, you know, you understand how credit works. You understand how important it is. You want just all these different things that we can go on and on. And it's not that we're not intelligent. We just never been educated. on. And I think that it should be a basic class along with English and history in high school that you should have a uh, basic financial literacy class instead of, kind of sends kids out to the uh, to the wolves. No, absolutely. I mean, to go back to the athlete point, you see sometimes the athletes and entertainers where, you know, once you start to make the money, you start to see them getting, you know, into the lifestyle and then the money goes. Uh, I don't know if Mayweather, Mayweather's probably not broken out, but at the pace that he does sometimes, the way he spends some of his money, you know, these are not, I guess, good examples of financial literacy, but, you know, these are ways that, Whenever you when you were talking about spending more than you have, those are some of the images that I was thinking of where people like, you know, you spending a hundred thousand dollars on the same type of cars and just betting on the first quarter of games when you don't need to stuff like that. As great as a boxer and an athlete he is, and I don't know him personally, but from personally is that that that's not the issue. The issue is he's a again a very poor example that our people should be looking at and how to mm-hmm. use your money. I mean, he's probably the, the opposite of what you really want. Exactly. But those are the images that you see. Um, and, and so that's how they're learning. This is how I should be when I get any kind of money. Yeah. And I, that's 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 the uh, the issue and the problem that, that creates where, um, again, he, he has a uh, kind of a quote-unquote short lifespan, especially with boxing. I mean, 10 years from now, we're not going to be talking about Mayweather being in the ring, hopefully. It would probably be dangerous. But then... Unfortunately, you see that a lot because, again, they don't have any other employable skill sets. They run out of money and they have to go back to doing what they know best how to do, which, one, can be dangerous. And, two, because of the money amount of money that he's uh, come through, there's no reason in the world his grandkids, grandkids should ever want for money. But, again, without financial literacy and basic principles, you can always see what, what path he's going down and yeah. being arrested for fashion. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Your, your conversation is a legend, uh, with a legend, rather. Um, what's that series about? You just talk to legends in the L.A. area, or or what? Yes, I'm on the board of something called the Abacus Pro Tour. Um, I'm I, uh, an avid golfer, and I enjoy golf. And Golf is one of the uh, few sports that uh, we pretty much digressed as it comes to people of color. Um, with You have you know less people on the PGA Tour today of color than you had 30 years ago and uh, and so what it is is what we're trying to do is make golf be look more indicative of society as a whole and uh, so the conversation of legend is a four-part series 
as a fundraiser. One, so what we try to do is find legendary figures in the uh, sports arena that have a passion for golf and also have a passion for the community and making a difference in the community. So that's what it's built out from a fundraiser. And then the Advocates Pro Tour, the mission is to basically get more people of color and provide them opportunities to level the playing field so they can go and play uh, the ones at a high level, have an opportunity to play professional golf. And then also, too, more importantly, get African-Americans and people of color jobs in the golf industry, whether it be working at country clubs, whether it be working at golf manufacturers, uh, whether it be working for golf design companies. What we're trying to do, as we're doing with everything, is giving people of color an opportunity where no opportunity uh, currently exists. Okay, okay. Now, Kareem, as the spokesperson for Bloom, um, you work with the L.A. County Probation Department, is that correct? Yeah, uh, Bloom is an initiative of the California Community Foundation, which is the second largest philanthropic foundation in California. It's very prominent here. It's been in existence for 100 years. It has an initiative called Bloom, which stands for Building Lives of Opportunity and Option for Men. So it focuses on African-American boys in South L.A., 14 to 18, who have uh, had a brush with the probation department. So our goal is to prevent them from uh, uh, recidivism and ending up in prison long term. Specifically, our, our goal is to get them to graduate from high school and find and or find job placement. And so uh, we work with, you know, young people as soon as they uh, are placed on probation. Almost all the high schools in South L.A. actually have probation departments in the high school and probation officers that are at the high school. So sometimes our young people get put on probation for things they wouldn't in other jurisdictions like truancy. Um, um, And so we get them that there's a reason why they're put on probation and then uh, they end up working with one of the nonprofits that uh, California Community Foundation and Bloom um, um, augments or supplements their operating budget. And so, uh, and so uh, you know, I'm involved in that. Okay, okay. All right, well, before before we go, I always ask my guests uh, this question. I'm going to give you both a chance to tell the world where we can find out more about you. But the question I ask uh, the guest is how – they use their difference to make a difference. That's the mission statement of what UID is. So, I mean, I could start with you, Kareem. How do you use your difference to make a difference? And then we can go to you, Edward. Uh, you know, I, I use my difference to make a difference, uh, you know, really with my time and my management skills. So if it's, whether it's my role at Bloom or um, uh, as the chairman at uh, Los Angeles Southwest College Foundation, the community college in L.A., uh, is to really use the skills that I've attained over the years um, in the restaurant industry and developing people to try to build consensus to make a difference for young people through those organizations. Okay. What about you, sir, Edward? Uh, I use my difference to, to make a difference by providing uh, young people, specifically uh, people of color, uh, a practical game plan on how to change their current plight based on what they want to do from a career standpoint and giving them the, the, the actual strategy on how to get from A to B and where they want to go from a business standpoint and hopefully taking that and they can use that and improve their life uh, in the current situation that they have and giving them hope and giving them uh, uh, opportunity and giving them vision to see something bigger for themselves than they currently probably see. 
Okay, love it. So where can we find out more about what both of you are doing? I know both of you do. <laughs> you sounds like you do a lot of things, but um, you both obviously you've combined to create this organization. So where can we find out more about what you're doing? How can we support? What can we do? Uh, we have our website, uh, LAWildWing.com. That's uh, where we have all the contact information, and uh, you, can, you can reach uh, reach us through there. Yeah, and then uh, you know social media. So I'm on uh, Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and all of that stuff. So I'm pretty easy to, to reach, and, and my social media stuff stays pretty updated in terms of the stuff that I've got going on in and around LA. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my Instagram, all of that is just Kareem Webb. Kareem Webb. All right. Cool. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll be sure to put all these out there and make sure we can get the word. I want to commend you, gentlemen, for um, raising awareness on uh, issues that need to be brought to the light, and also basically celebrating diversity so i appreciate that all right tail thanks man thanks you've just been listening to the as told by nomads podcast for more ways to use your difference to make a difference as well as for show notes head over to www.uidmag.com till next time go out and make an impact in your world Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.